Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. It gets better. All right. Good stuff. So today, just so you know, if you don't know, today's our annual business meeting. This is not it. All right. But it will be in a few minutes when I'm done talking. Uh, We are going to pray. We're going to say amen. We got a 10-minute break and then right back in. Not a church 10-minute break, a real 10-minute break. Okay, so come back in 10, because we have to, we still got to be out of here by 1, which means we got to be done by no later than noon with our business meeting. Why don't you just not preach, Pastor Brian? And I say, you're adorable. (laughs) All right, so uh, we're in a series, it gets right, because life with Jesus gets better. Not necessarily easier, but always better, because Jesus is always good, and as we just sang, his goodness is running after us. He's, who's pursuing whom more here? Right? And today, we're continuing, with, obviously a couple weeks ago, the Easter story. Doesn't get any better than that. And yet, it does. It gets better, though. Because Jesus isn't done. While it's all finished, the work of Jesus as far as death and the grave and eternity is done but it's also just getting started. And that's the best thing about God, he's eternal, so he ain't done. And he shares these stories, there's these stories on the resurrection, and there's some amazing ones. I mean, they're all amazing. But the one I wanna focus in on today is about Peter. And we're gonna talk about it in a minute. I wanna share a quick, quick story with you first. Jim met his friend Alex at the dealership where Alex worked. Jim, I feel like a hypocrite every time I go to church because I fail to live for Christ so often. And Alex says, what do you call this part of the dealership? And Jim asked, nodding to the area outside his cubicle. He said, well, you mean the showroom? So yeah, yeah, what's behind the showroom, past the uh, service counter there? And he said, well, that's the service department. And he said, What if I told you I didn't want to bring my car to the service department because it was running rough, Jim asked. Well, that'd be crazy. That's the whole point of service departments, to fix cars that aren't running right. You're absolutely right, Jim replied. Let's get back to our initial conversation. Instead of thinking of church as a showroom where images everything, start thinking of it as God's service department, helping people get back up and running in order, which is what God and his church are all about. I heard a Bible college teacher say years ago, he said, some people call it, call, think of church as an army base, and we send out our troops. And then some say, no, it's a hospital where we take care of the sick. And then he said, well, they're kind of both right. It's an army hospital where we heal people and we send them back out. So if you're here today, and you've had a rough week, or the best week ever, there's hope for you in this place. There's encouragement. There's life. 
I was actually talking, uh, uh, you, you don't know, but for those of you who are with us, um, uh, a, a young man named David came with us yesterday. He helped Nathan with his piece, uh, one of his pieces, recording and stuff. And he actually drove down from Wisconsin to join us early in the morning to drive to Decatur. Uh, and then we drove back. And then this morning he woke up early and went, drove back up to Wisconsin this morning. Uh, but we were talking about a family member of his and some tragedy they went through. And I shared my own story of when we experienced tragedy and I said, you know, I had to come to the realization that I'm going through this one way or another because it happened. So am I going to go through this alone or am I going to go through this with Jesus? So I could turn and blame him and say it's your fault or it's my fault. I, don't, I just know I don't want to go it alone. You know, my wife and I, you guys might not know this, sometimes we fight. <laughs> but it's never quitting time because... That's what marriage, marriage is about, restoration. And really, that's what resurrection is about. It's about restoring. And that's where we find one of the first accounts of Jesus after the resurrection. Not the first, but one of. If you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 21, starting at verse 3. Simon Peter said to his disciples, to, to the fellow disciples, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out on the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Some of you have been there. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul it in the net because there were so many fish in it. There's a small argument right there against pastors and church growth strategies. That's just when Jesus does it. Anyway, keep going. All right, so <laughs> verse 7, Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that he was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he'd stripped down for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. I love John just gets so many digs in at Peter in his own book. <laughs> like, John, I recognize it was Jesus first. Maybe you swam to him, but I knew who it was. All right. Just so many things. I ran faster. So, number eight, the other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, Fishing, a fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went abroad and dragged it to the shore. They were large fish, and yet they hadn't torn now, uh, now, come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus served them bread and fish. And this was the third time Jesus appeared to them. I, I, just, I just want to point something out. One of the last times and one of the first times Jesus appears to his disciples, it's when they're fishing and he performs a miracle that they get more fish than they can handle. So one of the first times he meets him, right? And what does Peter do the first time? Peter freaks out and he's like, leave me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. He shows up again and Jesus does the same thing. But what's more interesting is why is Peter fishing? Because when we struggle, stumble, and fall, we have a tendency to go back to what we know. We always go back. 
That's why it's called backsliding. It's not because we slipped and we fall all the way down the mountain. No, it's because we just go back to what we knew. We all do it. Proverbs even says, as a dog returns to its vomit, a fool returns to his folly. We have a tendency to go back to what makes us comfortable and what we know. Right? We have the tendency to be like, well, I'm, I think I'm just going to pour myself a drink now. But you've been free for 10 years. Doesn't matter. Today was a bad day. So we go back. And sometimes, like in Peter's case, it's not even sinful. It's just a thing we do. Turn on the TV. Let's hit the, let's hit the Golden Corral. Seven time around the buffet. <laughs> Here we go. Like any number, like pick, we all have our sin. We all have our thing. We all have a thing we go back to. All of us. Go back to our negative thought patterns that have destroyed our lives. We go back to being critical. We go back to the gossip circle. Well, I should probably just tell them what's going on. <laughs> They're going to want to know. We all do it. And P Jesus shows up in that because what happens is Peter doesn't know who he is anymore because everything Peter thought was going to happen didn't happen the way he thought it would. So Peter's like, I must just be a fisherman. And when we find our identity outside of Jesus... It's always going backwards. We're like, oh, uh, you know, it, right now we have whole identity movements that are different genders, different sexualities, different. It's always going backwards. We think we're progressing. I really hate that we use the term progressive for that group of people because it is not moving forward. It is an extreme regression of who we are and a low view of humanity that we are so debased that our sexuality is the definition of who we are as a whole. But Peter does the same thing. I'm just a fisherman. That's who I am. That's all I'll ever be. And Jesus is like, no, you're not, Peter. And so here's what happens. Peter still loves Jesus, but the relationship is broken. He doesn't know what to do. What do I do? How do I get back in a relationship and I love, the, I don't know if you noticed this. Peter didn't show up to Jesus. Jesus showed up to Peter. He called him. And when Peter fell away, he called him again. Some of you, when you fall, you don't recognize the thing that's hurting inside you that says, I want to be better. That's not you. That's the Holy Spirit. That is Jesus in your life saying, come back. Why? Because Jesus is a restorer. That's what he does. That's who he is. And when God's calling you, it, it, it's hard to resist. And what does he call them back to? The best part is, he doesn't call them back and say, you know, come to the altar and repent, you heathen Pagan piece of garbage. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I defeated death. What did you do? You went fishing. <laughs> you know, like he didn't, he doesn't do that. He makes them breakfast. 
You know, when I have a fight with my wife, there's never been one morning the next day where she made me breakfast. It's never, ever happened. <laughs> Not that she should. <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, have you, Pastor Brian? Maybe. Well, maybe not. <laughs> right? And I mean, Peter just blows it. Jesus makes him breakfast. Come here. Come sit at the fire with me, Peter. Just take a seat. Let's commune. Let's be together. If I call anybody in the church and I'm like, I need a meeting with you, Every, there's some people who are like, uh-oh, <laughs> the pastor wants a meeting. But if I say, hey, you want to grab lunch sometime? Everybody's like, I like lunch. Who likes lunch? Lunch is good. Right? <laughs> because one's transactional and the other's relational. And we have made so much of our walk with Jesus transactional and not relational. We forget that he's a restorer. If you are breathing, he's not done with you. He's not tired of you. He's not weary of you. I might even venture to say he's not angry at you. He's calling you. And he's calling you back. Back to communion. Back to the table. Maybe God is orchestrating all these things in your life that you're struggling with that are a mess to the place where you come back to communion. There's a small clip from Bruce Almighty. I don't have time for the whole thing, but I want you to take a look at a few minutes of it. And then Bruce Almighty, he gets these powers of God and he ends up falling way away from the Lord. And he comes to this moment of surrender. When he thought he had everything he wanted, it cost him everything. And he gets to this place. Go ahead, guys. You win! I'm done! Please! I don't want to do this anymore! I don't want to be done! I want you to decide what's right for me! I surrender to your will! could have kept going. <laughs> we'll stop though since we did. Man, that didn't work out for him at all. <laughs> Some of you have never seen this movie. did surrender did not work out for him at all though <laughs> some of you are like 
I gotta see that movie now. <laughs> you really should, it's great. Um, and he has a moment, afterwards, he has a moment with the Lord, which is really where we needed to go. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, it gets better though. <laughs> And the best part of it all is in that moment, and what we see in the Bible is with the Lord, you're not remembered by your worst mistake. You're just not. God doesn't measure you by your worst day or your worst moment. I want you to take a pause for just a second. Don't tell me what it is. Don't say it out loud and don't point. Close your eyes for just a sec. I want you to think of one of the worst mistakes you've ever made in your life. Sin, I mean the worst thing. For just a second, what is it? Don't say it. (laughs) It's a rhetorical question. What's the worst sin or mistake you've ever made? And to this day, sometimes, man, it's hard to even talk about. Okay, now look at me. Jesus doesn't remember you like that. And he doesn't think about that when he looks at you. It's almost not fair and too good, isn't it? Really? Verse 15, after breakfast... Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeats the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Jesus asked the question a third time. Notice it doesn't say how he was hurt. It doesn't say he was hurt because, it says he was hurt. Maybe he's hurting because Jesus knows something he doesn't know. Maybe he's hurting because he knew he blew it, but he knows in his heart of hearts he loves the Lord, but he, he blew it. It doesn't say. And Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you're young, you're able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to. When you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would have. Follow me. So, um, Heidi or Nathan, why don't you come up just to the piano for a minute. We're, we're, I'm, I'm wrapping, wrapping up already, but I just, I just have this... Well, he's sitting at the fire with Peter. And you ever sat? You ever sat around the fire? That's actually like my favorite place to be as a family. Us around our fire pit just together. Worshiping, talking, whatever. It's like my favorite. It's nature's TV. And I just have a feeling it's one of those guy conversations where Jesus looks at him and he's like, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's just staring at the fire. And he won't even look at him. And he's just, I love you. 
And Jesus is looking at him again. Hey, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Some of us look at Peter and think, how could he have denied Jesus three times like that? And what's funny is, it wasn't his first time. And the truth is, it wouldn't be his last. We think this is the moment it all turns around for him. It actually isn't. Peter blows it later. Peter argues about eating pork because I'm a clean man. How dare you tell me, Holy Spirit, to eat pork? Can you imagine arguing with God over bacon? Surrender to his will. So good. But then he argues later about Gentiles coming into the faith. He's kind of a racist. It doesn't matter. Because Jesus isn't done with broken people. Some of us are like, why? Why? <laughs> Jesus in this moment basically, basically asks him the question three times because he was denied three times. And we look at that like Jesus, uh, maybe he's on trial. No, Jesus in every step is restoring him and restoring his heart. Cutting through all the bull and all the stuff and just saying, do you love me though? Yeah, I do. Jesus is a restorer. Jesus restores relationships. He doesn't throw them out. Jesus takes the people who've been through hell and back and says, let's keep going. You've been married seven times and you're thinking about number eight. He's a restorer. He's a good God. Way more good than we can imagine. It's easy to give up on people. But it's not like Jesus. It's easy to cut people out. But it's not like Jesus. Yeah, there are some people, like, enough stuff happens in life, it's hard to be in a close relationship. I do see that. I know that. You had an abusive spouse who hit you, and, and it, it, may, it may never be what it once was. But he is a restorer. Maybe you have thought patterns of just, I can't win. I'm a failure. I'm less than. I'm nobody. It's not true. And all you have to do is come and sit and eat with him. Commune with the Lord, with your Savior, with your Lord. When you're forgiven, it's so much easier to Some of you have that thing hanging over your head about your life. I'll never be free. I'll never be forgiven. I'll never have that wiped clean. I'll never not hurt when I think of that. Just come to the table. Because here he was.
Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Yeah.